So we are in a series of messages here at Grace called Light of the World. And through this Advent season, we're seeing how God's light works in our lives and through our lives to touch the lives of other people around us. Um, God literally is light. We see that even, even in the very beginning of Scripture, how God spoke light into darkness and that he, in the darkness that he had created. And ultimately, that God came as Christ, as Jesus, to lead us out of our own darkness back to him. You know, for those of you who have maybe watched TV or you've read stories, you, oftentimes you hear these people who have had near-death experiences, right? And they talk about how one of the common themes is they talk about this light that they see that guides them to their heavenly home. But um, what we're going to see today is that God's light can guide us not just in the future after this life is over, but can guide us even here today in the paths that we take uh, in this life here on earth. So as we get started this morning, let me ask you a question. Have any of you ever gotten totally lost or turned around in the dark? Any of you? Can you think of a time when that's maybe happened to you? Um, for those of you who, like me, enjoy doing caving, you know how important light is, right? You, you forget how to... If, you're, you don't, if you don't have backup lighting or something like that, and that thing goes off, you're just in really deep trouble really quick, Right? But for most of us, when we, when we're, when we uh, get lost in, in the darkness, it's not because of something sudden like that, but it's just because you know, we think we're going the right way. Maybe we're hiking and it's starting to get dark or we're walking around in town and we just, over time, you start to think, maybe I don't know where I am. I thought I knew where I was. I thought I was on the right path, but something doesn't feel right. And we can kind of slowly get lost over time. You know, when I think about this, one of the things I think of was the first time I ever led a hike. Um, it was over 20 years ago. I was single, and there was this gal that uh, was, you know, young gal that I was, uh, uh, lived in an apartment next door to me, and she heard that I was going to go hike uh, this uh, trail called Flatiron. Flatiron's this mountain in the edge of the Superstition Mountains east of Phoenix. Maybe you've seen it as you've driven back and forth to Phoenix. Flatiron's this one particular mountain peak that's right on the western edge there, and I had been up there one... This is actually it right here. It looks like an iron. is why they call it that. So um, I had been up there once before. I'd actually only hiked twice in Arizona since I had, you know, before I had done this. But I thought I knew what I was doing. And uh, so I was going to go up there a second time, and she wanted to come with me. And uh, so I asked if she had any concerns or any problems with hiking. She said no. So we took off, and it was early afternoon. I'll never forget it. Um, we, it was only a five-mile hike round trip, so I figured, oh, it's no big deal. We don't need to carry a bunch of extra stuff like lights or anything because we'll be home, we'll be back so soon that we won't really need them. Um, and back, th this is back in the days before you know, cell phone flashlights. These days when something happens, you've got a flashlight in your pocket, right? You just pull it out and you can kind of navigate where you're going. That was long before those, and I didn't bother to have a GPS either. I didn't even know what those were back then. So you probably know where this is going, right? So we're, going, we're halfway up this mountain ridge, and all of a sudden, uh, this lady tells me about her heart issues that she didn't bother to tell me about before when she told me how fit she was, and that she needed to take breaks, multiple breaks, multiple long, long breaks. So by the time we, and I'm just determined I'm going to get to the top of this thing, by the time we finally get to the top, I'm really getting nervous because I'm seeing what time it is. And so I, we look really quickly at the top, and I'm like, okay, isn't this great? Let's go. Let's head back down. And I'm just trying to push her back down this mountain as quickly as I can. We get halfway down this mountain, and I see the sun set behind Phoenix. 
I think I told you I didn't have any lights on me, right? And by the way, uh, small detail, I didn't bother to see if there was a moon out at that time. There wasn't. There was no moon back at that time. So I'm scrambling in my backpack thinking, what am I going to do? We're in, re- we're in really deep trouble here. So I had go- been to the camping store a couple of weeks prior. Didn't know what I needed, but I just thought, I'm just, I probably should have some stuff in a backpack if I'm going hiking. Really all I did is I looked on the for sale rack and I grabbed things that were on sale that I thought I could use at some point. And for some weird reason, one of the things that I had grabbed, or actually two of the things I had grabbed, were glow sticks. They were on sale at that time, and I just grabbed a couple along with some other random weird things that I probably will never use again, and I threw them in my backpack. And I'm, I remember this at, this at this point, and I'm thinking, this is the only light source we have. And so, no kidding, we walk halfway down this mountain with glow sticks up at our, at our feet like this all the way down. I don't know how late it was. It was well into the evening before we ever found a road. But we were terrified. We, we, we thought we were on the right path. We kept following what we thought was the path. But as we kept going, um, the, the, the trail got, dim, got smaller and smaller until it just disappeared. And so then we were just kind of scrambling down this mountain, covered with cactus, by the way, and we're afraid of rattlesnakes. We're afraid we're going to step on one. So we're doing this the whole time, all the way down. And as I said, sometime well into the night, we finally get down to this road. And I'm like, we just got to flag someone down. Because neither one of us knew, had a clue where we were um, or how to get back to our car in the state park parking lot. So we're trying to flag down cars. And we keep seeing cars drive by. And they actually speed up as they see us. Because, I mean, these two people staying in the road got... Their legs are all cut up from cactus, you know, trying to wave someone down. And so I finally decided, you know what, this isn't working. I'm going to have to come up with a different plan. And I decide to use her, this lady in Elizabeth, as bait, basically. Great leadership st- tactic, by the way. You know. So I'm like, you know what, you've gotten us in this mess. You're going to get us out of it. So I'm like... I think they're not stopping because of me. If it's just you just standing out there in the middle of the road with your legs all cut up, I'm sure surely somebody's going to stop for you. And when you tell them about our situation, then I'll come out of the bushes where I'm hiding (laughs) and we'll get out of here. No kidding. First car that came by after our plan, the lady stops. And I can see from the bushes the two of them are talking and then all of a sudden... Uh, she looks over toward the bush where I am, and then this lady in the, driving the car looks over with this terrified look in her eyes. And I walk out of the bushes, and f- by the grace of God, this lady actually is willing to still to give us a ride, and we finally find our car and get home. It was a horrible, horrible experience. It took many years for me to go back to this place to hike it again, and I never hiked with that lady ever again. Um... But the interesting thing about that is, you know, we, we thought that we were fine. All this time we're hiking, we thought we were on the trail. We thought we are on the right path. Why? Because we've got glow sticks, right? We think we're seeing the path, not realizing that we're getting ourselves deeper and deeper into trouble as we go along. And you know what? I think that's what happens to many of us throughout our lives, at different times in our lives, spiritually. We, we get off track. We have good intentions, but we make a decision or we choose a path that we think looks good or that feels good at the time, and we don't realize or we don't accept 
that we're out of God's plan, that we have somehow veered off of God's path, and we start to get more and more lost. We can get be lost for months or even years sometimes as we create all kinds of unnecessary darkness or suffering around us in our, for ourselves or for others while we're following our own path. So when God calls us in Ephesians 5 to live in the light, he's not necessarily talking about a, a physical light so much as he's talking about staying in the light of his truth, staying on his path in our lives. Because whenever we hide the truth, or whenever we minimize or we downplay the truth, we start living in the shadows rather than in God's light. And those things in our lives actually over time can start to change us. But when we're living in the light, we have nothing to hide. So turn with me, if you would, to Ephesians chapter 5 this morning. Um, we just heard it read uh, during the Advent candle reading, but I'm only going to just read a few verses to you today. As you're looking at, by the way, you can also find this at MyGrace.Church. If you just click on the uh, sermon notes tab there, you can see these scriptures there. But you'll notice as, as, it, as Ephesians 5 starts, um, here Paul writes about what it means to live in the light, right? And he, gets, he starts off by explaining how we do that, by imitating God, right? By following Christ's example, to mimic, to mimic God's character or his behaviors. And in those moments when we have a decision made to make and we're wondering if we're getting off track, to not necessarily decide these things, decide those most important things in our lives based on what we think is best, but what God thinks is best. Now, in verses 3 through 5, if you look at this, what you see as it goes on is Paul gives three examples of different ways, different sinful patterns of behavior that we can create in our lives or develop in our lives, thinking that we're fine, thinking that we know what we're doing, uh, thinking that we're making, uh, thinking that the decisions we're making aren't that big of a deal. But those sinful patterns of behavior can get us off track. And he gives, as I said, three examples here. One is sexual promiscuity, or in other words, the things that we do with our bodies. We think, we think we can handle it, we think it's fine, but it can lead us into the shadows over time. He also mentions foul language, how we use our words, and the impact that we may downplay that that really has, but that it can over time. He also talks about greed. In other words, what we do with our stuff, the things that we own or possess in this life. Paul says these patterns lead us into darkness. So... What does Paul say to do about it? Well, the first thing he says is, don't hide your darkness by pretending or making excuses. He's very, just kind of blunt with this. Look at verse 6 here. He says, don't be fooled by those who try to excuse their sins, for the anger of God will fall on all who disobey him. Don't participate in the things these people do, for once you were full of darkness, but now you have light from the Lord. So live as people of light. For this light within you produces only what is good and right and true. Carefully determine what pleases the Lord. You know what? Not a single one of us gets through this life unscathed, do we? We all make mistakes. We all take paths at times that we thought looked good, but end up over a period of time leading us into the shadows. I mean, think about it. Whenever we start doing something deep down that we sense might be wrong, 
what do we tend to do? I think the first thing that we tend to do is we tend to rationalize in our own minds. We try to fool ourselves or convince ourselves that what we're doing is fine. In our situation, maybe not for everybody else, but for me, it's okay, it's fine, I've got it, I'm in control, right? And the second thing we do is we stop imitating God and we start this pattern of behavior is we go into hiding. And we move that thing, that part of our lives, into the shadows. Just like Adam and Eve, who made this one decision to not follow God, to follow their own path, and the first thing they do after that is they go and hide from God. Now, take a moment, think about your own life for a minute. Maybe the behaviors in your life, those things that you tend to, at times, want to hide from others. Maybe it's sinful behaviors that you know that deep down they're not right, um, or, but, but you think you've got it under control, you think it's going to be fine, you think you can handle it, or maybe it's a sinful attitude like greed or, or jealousy or just sense of anger or hatred towards certain other people. Those things that you don't want anyone else to really know about. Maybe it's not even having your spouse know or having the people that are closest to you in your life. You really don't want them to know that side of you. It's fine that they see everything else, but, but not this part. Those are the things in our lives that can be the most dangerous because they lead us over time into the shadows. You know, when I think about this, I think about uh, Smeagol. Any of you know who Smeagol is? Some of you? He was one of the characters, one of the hobbits in the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Uh, Lord of the Rings trilogy. Um, there's a story that I remember from that series that I just thought was so good. And it's a story one day about how Schmigal and his cousin named Dagal went out fishing on a lake to catch some fish. And while they're doing this, Dagal hooks a fish. And it's such a big fish that it actually yanks him out of the boat. And so while he is in this, while he's underwater trying to catch this big fish that he's, he thinks he's got, he sees this gold ring underwater in the mud and he reaches out and he grabs it. And he doesn't realize that this ring has evil trapped inside of it. But he grabs it and he slips it in his pocket and when he gets back up to the water, he shows it to Schmigal. And Schmigal is captivated by this ring and he wants it for himself. And they actually get in a fist fight. They start fighting each other and ultimately Schmigal is so angry and he wants this ring so badly that he actually kills his cousin Dagal to take this ring away from him. That was the beginning of the end for this hobbit named Schmigal, as the story is told. Because number one, now he has to hide his cousin's murder. Then he has to hide the ring so that no one else will ever find it because it's his ring. And this greed kept him from ever leaving that ring, even for just a moment. You remember what he calls the ring? Those of you fans, hobbit fans, uh, remember what it was? My precious, yes. He lives the rest of his life in the shadows, holding on to his precious. But as he lived in the darkness, it changed him, didn't it? It changed everything about him. It changed his name. His name no longer was Schmigel. It became Golem. It changed even the way he looked. And eventually, it even destroyed him. Paul says in Ephesians 5, verse 6, Don't be fooled 
into making excuses for your sin, for those things that you don't want people to know about. Because when we minimize any kind of darkness that's inside of us, when we ignore it, when we downplay it, when we uh, excuse it in any way, it just festers and it grows. And in those moments, what we start doing is, rather than being guided by the light of God's truth, we start walking around guiding ourselves by a glow stick. Thinking we know where we're going, thinking we're on the right path, thinking we're totally in control, and not realizing that we're getting slowly further and further off God's path for our lives. There's a professor named Clyde Snodgrass, and he once said this about this passage in Ephesians. He said, the task of Christians is to leave the light on. We are light in the Lord and are to live as people of light. Too often the light shines for only a few hours, and then it is life as usual. The more authentic, the more transparent we allow ourselves to be before other people, we help keep ourselves out of the shadows. When we foster relationships with other people of faith and we allow them in to see all of us and not just the pretty parts, not just the, the nice parts of ourselves, but even the dark places, the, the places that sometimes we want to hide in the shadows, those things that we don't like about ourselves that pull us farther away from Christ, when we're able to even show those to the people that we trust, the people we know who love God, they can hold us accountable, they can pray for us. And in those moments, what I have found in my life, I don't know if this is true for you, but what I have found is when I, when I push those things into the light by bringing other people along with me, the power of those things greatly diminishes before me. Those things that once had a control over my heart come, suddenly just lose their grip on me. And you know what I've also found? is in those moments when I have been able to do that with other people who are close to me, I have empowered them to do the same. I've empowered them to come out of the shadows and they feel more confident to share the things where they're struggling so that I can stand with them and hold them accountable and pray with them as well. And that's how the Christian life is meant to be lived. We're not meant to live in the, with this shadow side that we hide from the rest of the world. But we're meant to live in the light as children of light. And we do that together. Besides, no one expects you to be perfect. No one in this room is perfect. So why pretend that we are when we're really not? Why not let people see those imperfections and walk with us through them, even in the times that are difficult? You know, I love how John uh, describes this in 1 John 1, verses 5 through 9. He says this. He says, this is the message we heard from Jesus and now declare to you. God is light and there's no darkness in him at all so we're lying if we say we have fellowship with god but go on living in spiritual darkness if we had this shadow side that we try to keep secret he says we're not practicing the truth but he says in verse 7 if we're living in the light as god is in the light we have fellowship with each other and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we claim we have no sin, we're only fooling ourselves. And we're not living in the truth. But if we confess our sins to him, Christ is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all, all wickedness. He will remove that shadow side. 
You know, at Grace, we have talked about for many, many years this high value we have here with, around authenticity and transparency, right? We, in fact, the motto that you see in the breezeway as you walk in on Sunday morning, it clearly lays that out there, that we are here to help each other take a step closer to Jesus by being an authentic community. We don't pretend to be perfect. We don't wear masks. But we let people walk with us through the dark, through the messy stuff in our lives. Grace, I pray that you never forget you are a bright light. Many churches struggle with this very thing in their, in their communities. This idea of being authentic, being transparent, being real and welcoming even sometimes. But you have something very, very special in this way. I hope you never lose it. And you also have some incredible people here in this community whose lights shine brightly. And I know will be a strong example to you in the years to come. So Paul tells us here in Ephesians 5, don't fool yourselves. Don't think you've got a grip on the shadow side. But he also says, as he goes on, and I don't know if you noticed this earlier today, he says, also don't hide or turn a blind eye to the darkness around you either. As God's children, we're not only to not get stuck in our own darkness, but we're not to turn a blind eye to the darkness that maybe is creeping up or taking over someone else's life that we love as well. When we see someone getting off the path in love, Paul says, we are to pursue them. Not to avoid them, not to just say, well, it's none of my business, but to in love pursue them. Do you know someone maybe in your own life right now, for, for whatever reason, is, has made a wrong turn in life? Maybe it's only been a few weeks ago. Maybe it's years ago. But they've just kind of, over time, they, somehow they made that wrong turn. They made a decision they thought was right for themselves. And over the time, you've noticed that they've gotten further and further away from God. How will that person that you're thinking about ever change? How will they find the light again and get back on the path towards God? Well, one of two things can happen. One, they crash and burn. They hit rock bottom, and then they realize, oh, man. And hopefully God, will, God's work, God works through that process and keeps them from making that mistake again. Or those who love them can speak up to help them. Let me ask you, which is the more loving choice? Look at verses 10 and 11 of Ephesians 5. He says, Carefully determine what pleases the Lord. Take no part in the worthless deeds of evil and darkness. Instead, expose them. Expose them. Here he's talking about the sinful, the hidden behaviors of Christ followers. He's not talking about those who are non-Christians. In fact, you know that because in verse 6 he says that he's talking about those with a reason to excuse their sins. Paul's not saying that we're to be the morality police for the world around us. That we're supposed to go around chasing people who are making mistakes and trying to keep them from doing it. But what he is saying is when we love someone, when we see them taking a path that we know is going to lead them farther away from God, in love, we chase them. We pursue them. So oftentimes, our MO as Christians is to avoid contact with them, to distance ourselves and just pray and hope that somehow 
God will use someone to help them get back on the right path. And so oftentimes, God wants to use us to help them through that. Not in judgment, not in condemnation, not by wagging a finger and pointing out how holy we are and how unholy they are, but by the, with the brokenness of our own lives coming alongside them and loving them through the process. That's what Paul says we are called to do as followers of Jesus. That's carrying each other's burdens. Clyde Snodgrass says this as he went on. He said, Christians have the responsibility to confront. How we confront depends on our relationship with those that we confront. We don't have the right to force a Christian ethic on a non-Christian populace, especially if such issues are theologically driven. But he says at the same time, we can't be passive and avoid calling the darkness dark. By both lifestyle and conversation, we should be instruments by which the light does its work. The presumption of the text here, he says in Ephesians 5, is that light is a power that transforms. When we shine the light of God's truth on any situation in love, it can't help but help lead someone back onto a path closer to God, regardless of what we think it might look like at the time. I have seen this so many times over my years of ministry as a pastor, here and in other churches that I've served in prior years. Someone makes that decision for themselves that they think is best in their case, and there's that thing in them that thinks them think, well, it's probably not God's choice, but I know better than God. I know what I need to do in this situation. And it, it's, it's like textbook for me. I've seen it happen so many times. The next step is they start showing up at church less and less frequently. And they start distancing themselves from Christian community because they don't understand. And they're just going to judge me. And over time, more and more, they step away from the light and into the shadows. May you, as people of grace, be relentless. When you see someone in this community who is missing, someone who is attending less frequently or just disappeared, may you in love pursue them. Don't just assume, well, it's none of my business. If you had that relationship with them, to call them, to take them out to coffee, how are you doing? To be involved in their lives. That, that Paul's saying, that's what followers of Christ do for each other. We relentlessly pursue in love. And may you as people of grace continue to preach and to speak God's truth, even behind this pulpit, even at times when it's unpopular, when it's not the way culture is going, may you speak even more loudly and clearly about God's truth with boldness so that future generations will continue on the path and not get lost themselves. We do this Paul, in closing, Paul says, we, we take notice and we don't delay because our time is short. In verses 14 and 15, Paul reminds us to be careful how we live, to not fall asleep when it comes to choices that we're making and how they affect us and how they affect other people around us. You know, no one ever intentionally chooses a path that they know will hurt them or that will lead them into darkness, right? It's not like I've, you know, I wake up in one morning like, you know what, I just want to do something really stupid that's going to destroy my life, right? I mean, not a conscious thought, right? None of us make those decisions. We think we're making the right decision for ourselves, 
But what we don't realize is we have put down God. You know, I love how Psalm 119, verse 105 says, God's word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. God's word, God's truth lights up everything in front of us to point us in the way that God wants us to go. But every now and then we get this itch to put down God's lamp and pick up a glow stick, right? And we start doing this. And we think we're making the right decisions. May you put down the glow stick and may you pick up the light of God's word. May in those moments when you are tempted to do something that in your gut is just telling you is not God's plan, even though you're convinced that you've got, the, you've got it under control, may you follow God's path and not step into the shadows. And when you see someone that you love and you're concerned about who is going down that path, whatever that path looks like, and you know, you know, it's going to lead them further away from the light of Christ's presence. May you lovingly chase after them and not let them go. May you be consistent in their lives, even when they push you away. And may they be convinced that you're not judging them, but that you love them. May we all, as people of grace, be people of grace to those who are around us, who have made the decision to follow Jesus. Again, we're not called to be the morality police of Oral Valley or Tucson. But we are called to love. And sometimes love means speaking truth. When we do that, we truly shine our light for God. Take a look at this. In the beginning, darkness covered the earth. And God said... Let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good. The true light, which gives light to everyone, came into the world. The light shines in the darkness. And the darkness cannot overcome it. It is a light for the lost, the searching and the seeking. A light for the darkest valley. A light to drive out fear, even in the shadow of death. When we believe in the light, we become children of the light. It shines in us, through us. If we walk in the light, if we let it shine before others, we become a city on a hill. The light of the world. When we let his word light our path, others will follow. We become a beacon of hope to a world in darkness. Our lives reflect the glory of his resurrection. He makes us a light for the nations, so his salvation may reach to the end of the earth. Let there be light. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Would you pray with me? Lord, as we reflect on your message today to us from Ephesians 5, we think back on our own brokenness. And uh, well, we thank you for reminding us that not only are we not perfect, we were never intended to be. Lord, help us 
in those moments when we are tempted to pull out our glow sticks and to follow our own path, to set them aside and to trust you, to follow your path as children of the light and to trust you even when sometimes those decisions can become difficult for us. Lord, forgive us for those times when we are so stuck on our own way, our own path, our own ideas for, for what we think is best for our lives that we start falling into the shadows. Lord, may each one of us as followers of Jesus love you enough to stay out of the shadows and love each other enough to keep each other out of the shadows as well. Give us the boldness and the courage and the love to pursue those that we see are getting lost on the path.